Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow to make it better in our lives and um, especially as we relate to the lives of the people around us, Christians in the marketplace. That's what we're really concerned about, Christians in the world. Uh, This is John Fisher. I'm your host, and uh, I am also a writer of The Catch that we publish and send out via email every day, five days a week, and uh, if you don't get it, I think you might be interested. You could sign up. Um, just go to catchjohnfisher.com, and uh, you can sign up. Uh, and uh, you'll get it every day. Become a part of our community. We've got a really cool thing starting to happen. We have more and more involvement, more and more places where people can become involved. And... Um, we are we are watching our little community grow, and it's really it's really a cool thing. So, um, uh, and one of the really cool things we're doing is this show every Tuesday night, uh, our Blog Talk Radio show, and um, uh, we try and have a, a guest every time that will help us understand what's going on in some way in the world around us and. Tonight is no exception. Um, we have our our guest Lamont Williams from uh, Portland, Oregon. Our producer um, Gunnar Simonson has introduced me to Lamont, and uh, he has had some great conversations with him. And we're about ready to have one. Lamont is a youth director in a multiracial church in Portland, Oregon. He's a native Portlander, and uh, he also leads worship in this church and um, has a lot of experience um, with the black community. And given the topic we've been on for the last few weeks, um, we thought we would uh, uh, hear from Lamont because we're getting a lot of different perspectives here that are very helpful um, for us to try and work through the, the, the racial divide that it still appears to be in our country. So, um, Lamont, uh, are you are you there, and have I got you hooked up yes. properly? <laughs> yes, oh, I'm good. here. Excellent, excellent. I can never trust myself. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Lamont, I'm so happy to have you you with us. Tell us a little bit first uh, about your church and uh, how long you've been involved there and uh, what 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 you're up to. 
Okay. Well, I, first, John, I'm so glad to be a part of this. This is going to be an awesome conversation. Really excited. Um, I am a native of Portland, as you said. Um, I've been uh, attending Highland Christian Center. Our pastor is Pastor W.G. Hardy, Jr., for about 20 years now. Uh, it's going on 20 years in March. It'll be 21 years in March. Um, I've been the, the youth director, the choir director, um, all of this time. And so it's just a privilege to be a part of um, a youth department right now for me, in, especially for what's going on in our world. Um, and so, yeah, I've been that. I, I'm a mentor. I'm a godfather of eight uh, young guys and girls that, um, that have been in their mm. lives for most of them since they were born. Uh, and I've been a, a mentor for um, probably about the same amount of time I've been at Highland, about 20 years. And I love it. I, I just believe that if you, if you, if I can save one, if I can inspire one, I've done the world and I've done someone justice. That's great. Uh, Highland Christian Center. Now, is that is that located uh, in what we would call the inner city? Is it, is it yes, near a black community? On- Yes, it's actually located on 7600 Northeast Gleason Street. It's where the old New Beginnings Christian Center with Pastor Larry Huck used to be. It sits right on the corner of 76th and Gleason. Okay. And uh, that that is kind of the, the heart of, of uh, a black community, you say, or at least close to it? I, I think it's the heart of it and close to it. We do have a lot of African Americans that attend, but the great mm-hmm. part about it is it has become very biracial um, in the last few years, um, you know, in the last probably 10 years, if not longer, you know. So it, that's, an, that's great that it has become a comfortable place um, for all races. That's terrific. That's really great. Um, how about you? Uh, tell us, where do, where do you live, Lamont? Tell us about well, your I neighborhood. Actually, I live in the heart of North Portland, um, and ninth in Ainsworth, and uh, a small little story is about ten years ago, our neighborhood would have never looked the way it does now. It was probably the most uh, gang affiliated um, neighborhood um, in between mm. ninth and Ainsworth and ninth in Alberta. Probably had the most most deaths, the most drug activity um, in in between. Wow. Yeah, in North Portland. I mean, in Northeast Portland. Wow, and that yeah. that's changed though. How how is how would you say that's changed? Well, uh, a lot of oh. it has changed with this regentrification, so it, it has definitely um, changed the the neighborhood. Um, and mm-hmm. for instance, ten years ago, you wouldn't have been able to walk outside, let alone walk a dog outside. And uh, after dark, when the streetlights come on, you're in the house. Um, you would never trust it. And so it is definitely a place of, of where that's, you can definitely be comfortable to walk down the street at night and know that um, you can be comfortable and can do those things. Used to wasn't like that. So it is definitely yeah. a change. Okay. And most of our okay, but you community know. has moved out. Okay. So our, and, and where, where would they have moved to? All over. Um, well, when the regentrification when the gentrification started, um, and they started, you know, redoing Northeast Portland, they wanted to make Northeast Portland, of course, inner Northeast Portland, where a lot of businesses come through. Uh, they moved all of them um, Southeast Portland, 
um, to, you know, all the, the bigger complexes, you know, that hold, you know, you know, three, 400 families, um, if not mm-hmm. more than that. So they moved them all the way up to Southeast and they bumped up the rent. Um, I don't know if you've been over into Northeast Portland or uh, right over to North Portland, but yeah, uh, there's a street called Mississippi. And um, you, there, that was also, you know, where a lot of activity was going on, negative activity, you know, 10, you know, plus years ago. Uh, now you couldn't even rent an apartment over there for less than two thousand dollars. So it has mm. definitely wow. changed. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's. it's I, I actually went to look one day, and I think the cheapest I saw that day was eighteen hundred for a small apartment. Um, I think it went up to like forty four hundred dollars for two bedroom apartment. Wow. So it's definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Lamont, we've, you know, looking at the history here in in America, at least the history I remember because I was in high school in 1965. And uh, so we learned from Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement. We've, we've seen laws change, integration take place. We've seen... Uh, African-Americans moving into higher positions in society, Hollywood, and now even the highest office in the land, the President of the United States. And yet, when Jackson, Missouri, Baltimore, Maryland, Dallas, Texas surface, it starts to look like nothing's changed. It's, it's like Rodney King all over again. Um, has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Uh, is it just always going to be like this? Um, I don't necessarily think it's gotten better or worse. I just think it's gotten exposed again. Um, and what I mean by mm. that, you, you could remember if we think back to the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, even before that, um, murdering an African-American person was a lot of times out of pleasure, was out of just having a good day. Um, and it was seen to be a joyous thing. 60s had rolled around, you know, they started shining the light on it, not necessarily was it going to change, but it then got on TV because you had Martin Luther King, you had Malcolm X, you had, you know, uh, the Black Panthers, so you had different people raising awareness of what's going on to our community, and then things changed, and you didn't see it as much um, on television, because now you have social media, so then we had television, so it had the choice to take it off air. So for many years, we thought it was over, but it was just hidden. Now the blanket has been pulled off of it again, and we have social media. So now we can, we're can we putting it back out on television. So um, I, I think it has um, gotten a tiny bit better because they're not doing it um, as, as, a, as a moment of pleasure. Um, I hope not, um, but I think it's – um, gotten worse because now it's more exposed and um, but then I begin, I think it's become a learning experience for those younger people that were born in 1990 and up to know that what they read mm-hmm. in the history books is not a myth it has actually happened and is still happening mm. uh, tell us how 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 real is the fear like what what's it like being uh, being a black man pulled over by a white cop are, are are you would you be afraid when that happens to you uh is the fear real 
Uh, absolutely, the fear is real. Um, to, to, to be honest, every since um, there was a few weeks ago where every day you could turn on your TV at least once or twice a day, twice a day and there was an African-American man being killed for absolutely no reason, um, even as recently as the, the African-American man who was with a, a young man who had um, uh, some kind of – he had a mental disorder, and they ended up shooting his caregiver. Um, and he didn't die, thank God, but, he, he, you know, he's still alive. So um, to answer that question, yes, it, it is fear. Um, I, it is nerve-wracking, to be honest. When you're driving, I'm always watching my speed. Um, I keep my license, mm-hmm. my registration, and my insurance at somewhere I can see it. I tell my kids the same thing when you are driving to have your license, mm-hmm. your registration out. I don't want you digging for anything when you're driving. There mm-hmm. should be no digging. You should have something out. You Have it out and ready to have your hand out the mm-hmm. window before the police officer gets to your car. Have your window rolled down and your license, registration, and insurance ready to be given to them and your other hand on the wheel and keep it like that. Also, turn on a recording device. So those are the things that I've given instructions that I've given to my children and to other youth, my nieces, nephews, um, everything to uh, ensure their safety, to be honest, because they're fearful, and I'm fearful as well. Wow. That's so sad that it's gotten to be like this. Uh, Absolutely. have, Have you been pulled over? I haven't recently. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, but to, to, I, I do worry about being pulled over. I make sure I'm not. Yeah. I, Sometimes before I get in the car, I do check and make sure my back, my brake lights work, my, my front lights work, my blinkers work. I generally go through this whole thing um, just based off of what if this could happen and not saying that all white cops are, you know, going to shoot you. But the reality is it's happened and you have to be cautious uh, and have a clear thinking and live in reality and say it could happen. Yeah. Wow. So, and you, and you have to, you have to train your kids. I mean, you were talking to me what, what you tell them uh, about if, if they're ever driving. Uh, are, they, are there any other, any other things you talk about with your kids about being um, safe? I, I do. I, I again, the, I make sure that they're driving safe. I, I do absolutely have my kids or my my nephew. I spoke to about and said, "Hey, I'm not I'm not comfortable with you all driving so late at night. If you're going to be driving at night and you think that there's no cars on the freeway and you want to speed, don't do it." Um, uh, and I also talk about what's been going on in in the world to, because they live in this world and we can't be um, absent from what's going on because it's the reality mm-hmm. of the season. This is the, the the millennial time. This is what's going on, and so they have to be conscious uh, and cautious of what's going on um, because social media will blind them, even though social media is somewhat of what's pushing. A lot of the, you know, information, whether it's negative or positive, it has a great deal of, um, it, it holds a lot of weight, social media does. Uh, and I've, I've encouraged them to look at it. I've encouraged them to see what's going on in the world. I've encouraged them to, mm-hmm. uh, and to have an opinion and have a thought, you know, and don't, don't take it lightly because you never know what can happen. 
Yeah. Do, do you know any uh, policemen personally? Like I uh, do. Uh, I uh, do. Af- and both uh, African American and also. white. Uh huh. Do you um, do you know a uh, you do you know a white officer by any chance? I I do not know any white officers. I do have a a, a friend of mine who attends my church who is an officer mm-hmm. right now. Um, and so yeah, I, I, but I don't have any white officer friends. Ah, uh, um, that would that would help, wouldn't it? Uh, or would it? You, you know, I don't know if it would help or or not. To be honest, because um, not everyone is blaming every white person or white cop for the death mm-hmm. of every one of the officers. Some are, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. You know, it's it's a lot of times you see the reaction of the young people. Uh, but but you see yet the fear and the um, flashbacks from the older people. If you listen to any older African Americans who made it out of the you know the twenties, the thirties, the forties, all the to sixties up until now, um, it, to them it's it has never stopped. To them it has mm. this is how it's always been, and so um, I, I don't know if it would make it better. You know to have a, 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 a mm-hmm. to know of a name to say out. To, you know, I know this white police officer. Um, I don't. I don't know if it would change. I don't think so. Actually, I, now that I think about it, I don't think it would change mm-hmm. anything. Mhm. Mhm. What about uh, Black Lives Matter? Um, is that is that good or bad for racism? What, what would you say? Um, I think Black Lives Matter is the um, the next runner from the Black Panthers. Um, I I think it's good for the black community and the world. I think it's, uh, for whatever reason, when they, when the Black Panthers fell off the scene in certain areas, um, the Black Lives Matter had to be something that stepped up and represented the African-American community and said, we're going to make sure that no one uh, throws us away. We've been thrown away for so long and we're going to make sure that you have all the information. We're going to be the ones that stand on the front line and let you know that we matter. Um, and for mm-hmm. hundreds of years, um, it, we, it has been, it has felt like we have, we don't matter. Um, even though we may have an African-American president, that doesn't matter. I, I think more have died since he's been mm-hmm. in office, uh, you know, publicly than in, in years before. And so um, it, it's kind of tricky, you know what I mean? Like it's like the Black Lives Matter is the the foundation of it is pure. It's just to give information and to show one another that we we can stand in, with each other. And it's also for African Americans to say, hey, let's join together in unity and stand as one and not separate it. But it's and it's and it's not excluding white people because there are many. Um, White people that march with the Black Lives Matters um, protests all the time, and that's right. great. It, right. It's great, but it, mm-hmm. it's for us. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it just echoes what the Black Panthers were. Some people think that the Black Panthers were this malicious uh, group of uh, you know crazy ganged out um, African American mm-hmm. people, 
And that's not the truth. The truth was they were the same thing. It represented the same thing. They said, if no one's going to save us, we have to save us. So they didn't want to be violent. That wasn't the thing to be violent. But they would if they had to. That's just like uh, Malcolm X, it, it, his thing was, we're not, I'm okay with it. Like, we, we ain't got to. But if we have to, we will. Dr. King was totally against it. But everyone knows when, you're, when you put anything up against a wall, and you trap something in the corner, we're going to fight for our life to get out. Mm. So I think that yeah. Black Lives Matter yeah, is, a, is good for the world. Um, now, there are a lot of people who would say, uh, give it a simplistic uh, answer to that by saying, well, all lives matter. Um, that's, tell me uh, why that is not the thing to say. <laughs> I mean, what? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I told of course, you. all lives matter. So, you know, so how how do we need to understand this? In other words, so as uh, so as to be able to embrace our our you know African American brothers and sisters. Um, yeah. So that that whole. All Lives Matter gets me every time because you're not seeing on TV and on Facebook and social media um, African, uh, Caucasians, white people being killed or Latinos or, or um, any other race. You are directly seeing African Americans. It just so happens, not saying that it's not happening, but it just so happens that African Americans once again are being murdered, and some thinking it's for sport. So when you say to a black person, all lives matter, it's offensive because all lives ain't being killed. Mm-hmm. Black people are being killed. Yeah. And nobody else is, is being murdered and recorded and, and police officers getting off as if we don't matter because that's what it says. So when mm-hmm. you say all lives matter, it's offensive. It, it's saying we, get, we know all lives matter, but when, at what point, in all these hundreds of years, are African Americans going to really have a stable stake in this nation? When are we going to have a mm. stable understanding that these people, they're not going anywhere? They've, they're, they're geniuses. Yeah. They've created a lot. When, are they, when is it going to come to that point to, to where we just have a part? It's really like um, Seeing a kid saying, I just want to be loved. When are we going to be loved and appreciated and acknowledged? Now, we have a black president, but they've raised more. It has been more problems for him being in office. Was it a few years ago? They, they shut down the, you know, everything that was going on because they, they couldn't agree on something. Mm-hmm. It happened, happened in mm-hmm. years before that until an African-American gets in the office. They hated the fact that, you know, it was Obamacare where some people say, oh, it wasn't good or it is good. But for the first time, everyone had medical. Isn't that the key? Isn't that what we wanted? <laughs> and so, and so yeah. it, 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 it's such a, a thing that we, we just want to matter. That's what it is. We just want to yeah. be, we want to be thought of as, as the world, as the United States. We want to be acknowledged as a, as a people. Even though we're a minority, but we want to be acknowledged as a people. Very helpful. I I appreciate I appreciate that, Lamont. Um, 
in our last few minutes, I want to try and get practical, as practical as we can, for mm-hmm. most of our listeners who um, who probably live outside of, um, you know, uh, probably live in, mostly in suburbia, I would guess. Uh, and, you know, when you live and you're removed from the African-American community uh, in a large part, it's an economic infrastructure issue, I think. Um, And when you live removed from that, you know, how can, what can this, what can we do? What can white folks in a white neighborhood hardly know any, any African-Americans, what, what can we do if we want to, but we want to make a contribution. We want to help. We want want to help solve the race problem in this country. Um, What would you, what would you say? Is there anything we can do? Um, I I think if, if I was hurt and down and, and had a broken leg, you could help me. You could pick me up and walk me to a chair, and my, my ankles, you know, sprained. Or if I fall mm-hmm. off a bike, you could help me get up. If I'm in a car accident, you could probably help pull me out. Um, in this situation, it's almost the same thing. It's if you're just being a support system. If when there's a Black Lives Matter rally, and sometimes they're a little rough, and so I, and, I, and I get it. Um, but if, if there's one, if you're just saying, if you're just there, you know, and and everybody doesn't mm-hmm. vote. To them, um, but mm-hmm. if it happens and you're just there, that's supporting them. If you, if the greatest thing I ever saw was when I a couple of days ago I seen an older lady. She had to be about sixty, seventy years old, and she had a, a, a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on. I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. Loved every second of it. Like that was mm-hmm. the support um, that we need. Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't take words, and sometimes it just stays. It's just standing there. Maybe it's it's going on social media and saying, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone is against this. You know, we want us all to live together. We want the blacks and the whites and everybody to live together in harmony. That's not a that's not mythical or something that can't happen. It can happen if we join mm-hmm. together in unity and do it. It can definitely happen. War doesn't have to always happen. It can always it's great yeah. things can happen. So if someone is just sowing their support and their love and, you know, if someone is around them that uh, is speaking negatively on the Black Lives Matter movement or what's going on, because, you know, everyone's saying, well, if, the, if they, you know, the, most of these black men are in the wrong place at the wrong time or if they would just calm down and obey the police. No, that's not how it is. If you watch the videos, mm. most of them, it start out really calm. If the police officers would really follow the protocol, it wouldn't even go that far. And so it's about being when someone is speaking negatively on it, just be a support. Just stop the other white folks that are there speaking negatively about it. Say, hey, wait, no, we don't, we don't support that. You know, the speaking negative on, you know, negatively on the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and, and the movement and supporting that their lives matter and it's wrong that these black men are being killed in front of their families, in front of their children. It's wrong, and it, it's just making a stand, just like that. And, and just keeping a, a pure spirit around when they're around them, us, you know, I think it could, I, I know mm-hmm. it would help because we can't blame everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of people are, and you see the, the, the cops are being murdered because these people are frustrated 
and angry that, again, mm-hmm. it's being happening. Not, most of these people are getting off. So it's just about being a support system, just being there, just being – even if it's just a hug, everything works mm-hmm. in support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just a listener, you know, you, you know what I mean? Just a T-shirt, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, you say your your church is multiracial. I want to go to your church. Uh, I wish there were more churches like that. Uh, um, how can we make any kind of changes in, with our churches? You know, I mean, they 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 say that eleven o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated hour. Uh, unfortunately, it may be true. Um, what can we as Christians do to try and to try and help that situation. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't believe that it's a segregated hour. I call it family hour. And when I meet with my family, it's not, it may not be the same time that John meets with his family, but it's family mm-hmm. time. But that doesn't mean it's segregated. It, it doesn't always have to be where we're all in one place. No, that's family time. So that's one thing that should be taken off of the thing is it's not segregated. People just have a preference of where they feel comfortable at and it's not that your church is wrong than the other church. It's just we feel comfortable here, you feel comfortable there. As long as we are going, that's, you know, that's all that matters. Uh, and I think the church can continue to do what we've been doing, you know, seeking God and being in prayer, you know, and encouraging um, our, our families to be aware of what's going on and to pray mm-hmm. over our children mm-hmm. and to talk to our children about what's going on. Um, specifically, I'll speak of my church, uh, Highland Christian Center. My pastor, Dr. W.G. Hardy, is fighting cancer, full-blown cancer. Um, mm. He's traveled to everywhere, and he is still consistently a fighter for the youth, a fighter for the young people, um, mm. and he believes in what, you know, what, what, what he has been raised to believe, and not just off of re- what he's raised to believe, but he's experienced God on, the, on firsthand. And so he supports in being in prayer for our youth, um, being in prayer for the, mm. the, the African-American families that have been gunned down uh, for no reason. We recently had a guy in our church who was on the bus, and, you know, some craziness happened, and he got pulled off the bus, bus by three or four police officers. You know, and he and the young man just kept saying, let me show you my bus pass, but nobody would listen to him. Let me show you this, but nobody would listen to him. And it, so, but he's mm. our, our pastor, our church, and the churches around, not just mine, but have are supporting uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, but are saying, yes, we all matter. If we didn't matter, we, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to have a multicultural church. So everyone matters, but it's just making everyone aware mm-hmm. that at this time, this is the issue. That's just like, John, if a house was on fire on your street and two blocks over another mm-hmm. house was on fire and the other person from the other street says, come to my house because it's on fire. And we're like, wait a minute, but mine is on fire too. Like, why does this matter more than <laughs> It's not that either one of them matter greater. They both matter mm-hmm. at the same time. There's no one less than the other one. We all matter, but at this time, this is on fire. Mm-hmm. You may have just smoke, ah. but this one is on fire. So let's help the house that's on fire. And right now, the African-Americans are being literally fired upon, burning uh, for no reason, and and it's just bringing awareness to what's going on. So I think the churches can continue to do what they've been doing is being in prayer. Uh, I think 
what's been going on has brought a lot of not just African Americans but all nationalities to prayer, to the face of God, to you know, to you know, ask God to keep our children safe. So even though this has been a negative thing, but I think it's been it has been a thing that's turned mm-hmm. us to prayer. And so I think it's a great, you know, moment that we we all turning to mm-hmm. prayer and to support one another and to uh, trust and believe in our um, community officials and leaders that they are doing whatever they can to uh, support the African American community and keep all lives um, um, safe. And we we've had some police chiefs from uh, come to our church and talk about what's going on. And so we've had police officers come to the church and talk about what's going on. And so um, accepting them, welcoming the police officers, letting them know that they're not Mm -hmm. all dangerous, uh, but they do have a a hard job. They have to think about their lives as well as others. So it's, it's not, you know, making it seem like all officers are wrong, but it's saying some are, there are some, some Mm -hmm. of them have issues, but we're going to pray for them as well. We pray for our police departments, uh, but we we definitely have to make it clear that African Americans are being gunned down, and it looks like for no absolute reason. And so it's just being in prayer, being supportive. That's really helpful, Lamont. Hey, uh, would you? You know, we have we have a a a prayer team, and um, I would love to give them the name of your pastor and have him start praying for him in his battle with cancer. What did you say his name was? His name is uh, Pastor uh, W.G. Hardy, Jr., Pastor Gail Hardy, Jr. Hardy. Some Hardy, him. Jr. We'll Great. Be, yeah, Hardy, Jr., yeah. Great. Amazing pastor, Great. Well, we'll, amazing leader. Yeah, well, we're going to get them going and, uh, awesome. and praying for him. Uh, uh, yeah. And you know, I, do you think that it would be a good idea if, if maybe more churches could get together? You know, maybe churches from the white community could, could partner with the churches, more African American churches. Maybe, do you think something like that could help? I think that would be mind blowing, and I think it would be great. Um, there are many mega um, white churches that literally don't even affiliate with the black churches. Uh, and and mm-hmm. for me, I'm a person who I like. I, I'm across the uh, denominational. Like I, I wouldn't. And and there is no race in my mind. I mean, there is, but it's like I would never mind going to a white church and and worshiping with an, another white church. Um, and I, I I do think it's time for partnerships uh, in prayer. I think it's time for them to come together. The you know the black mm-hmm. churches and the white churches and and come together in prayer. Those that are in Christ Jesus. Come together and let's just pray together. Let's let's feast together. Let's let's show um, not not just out of showing people because you want to make that make that example and say we are coming together. We're not segregated um, at all times. You know, as people say, segregation. Cool. But, you know, we can come together. So I do think it's even if it's for worship, even if it's just for an hour worth of prayer, even if it's for where we're going to eat and 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 eat dine and dine with each other, eat lunch with each other. Um, and so, you know, there's a scripture that says, oh, how good and pleasant it is for men to come to dwell together in unity and praising the Lord. And, he, and, and praising the Lord is, is, is in many forms of, you know, lifting up our praises, but it's also in dwelling together with, the, with man and what God has created and loving one another. And pray, that is giving praise to God as well. If praying together, loving one another, holding up each other up um, and encouraging one another. So I, I think that was an awesome That's idea. Great. 
That's great. I'm glad to hear you say that because, uh, and, and you know, even if if you're listening and you feel like, well, uh, you know, that I, I can't get get my church to partner. No, but you could talk to your pastor. And uh, I think that the more of us who start something like this, the more possible it could happen. You know, meet, take your pastor out to lunch, and and talk about. Yeah. Uh, something like this happening you you could you could make a difference make a huge difference and uh i've heard about this happening and i've heard some really good things uh with congregations getting together like this just to worship together and meet each other and share a meal and and uh because you know we we need we need to see each other and 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 talk and listen and and grab each other's hands and and hug each other and Hey, we're together in this. We're brothers and sisters. Uh, it's uh, you know that's where we need. I think can make the greatest difference. Um, I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to close with an article that um, that was just even to, just today in the L.A. Times. It was very. It's called "Tackling a Racial Divide." It was written by two two people. One, an African-American man and one, a white man. And they're talking about their experience back in 1969 when um, they were trying to integrate the schools. And uh, one of the things they did, because they noticed it wasn't really helping, they, they had convocations in their school. And they broke down smaller groups and they mixed the smaller groups and they forced... Um, white and black students to meet together and start to meet each other and talk. And they, they both talked about how this was a profound difference, made a profound difference in, in their lives. And they said here, the two of us sat across from each other at the first convocation. We each had wrong-headed ideas and fears about each other that began to dissipate that day. Our friendship got its start at the first convocation. And they talk about later how, you know, they ended up two years later, they, one of them became the student body president and the other was the leader of the senior class. And, uh, and, and, and then they say this, now we see the videotapes and follow the investigation of police shootings. We know protesters gather at Los Angeles Police Department news conferences. We hear the chants of Black Lives Matter at campaign rallies. Is racial strife worse now than it was when we were growing up? There is no easy answer to this question. But one thing that was true then is still true today. Direct, personal interaction is the prescription for calming the strife. Would you agree with that, Lamont? I, I actually do. I think what has what social media has done has taken away direct communication conversations. Um, nowadays, you can go mm. anywhere and see young people on their cell phones, and they can be sitting right next to someone, and they're texting them. If they're interested in someone, like someone, they're texting them. They're on Snapchat. Chat. It has taken away the foundation of, of communication and where even real love comes from. Uh, you, you don't get the, the sound of affection and love over a tweet or 
a text. You hear that in the sound waves through the ears, through the phone that goes into your ear, and you can feel the passion, but you can't get any of that um, through what's been going on. I do think the direct contact is communication, one-on-one conversations has been taken away from us on purpose. And so when you talk mm-hmm. about segregation, that's mm-hmm. a sign of segregation. And the definition of, of segregation is enforced uh, separation. And so it, this is – social media was enforced and pushed on the young people, and, and they did everything they could to make it something that they liked. And once it hit the ground running, it, it, it started segregating us from um, one another, from our people and communicating with one another. So now we don't even communicate, you know, anymore. So I think if we got back talking and, and hearing one another, I think it would change a whole lot. But now tweeting makes people upset. You can read one tweet, and it may not even be said maliciously. It, it could just be said. And the whole world is going off about something that was taken out of context uh, because we weren't able to hear them. So hearing is, wow. is important. Um, that's just like you talking to me, John, and I have my, my, my fingers in my ear. What you have to say may be absolutely hmm. important, but, I'm, but I'm, I have removed myself from the conversation um, because I'm literally putting my, ear, my hands in my ears and my fingers in my ear and saying, okay, well, I'm standing here, I'm looking at you, but my fingers are in my ear. Am I still listening to you? <laughs> you know, it, it, hmm. if you could imagine that. I'm standing there, but I'm not listening. And that's exactly what social media has done. It has taken it away, the hearing of things. So if we go back to conversating and having, you know, and it's not even about agreeing all the time. It's about just us having communication because what that does is that brings about relationship. Mm -hmm. We may not agree about everything, but I respect your opinion. You're not yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you, but this is how I feel. There's communication, and we the, the the funny part about it is the sad part about it is really is we probably all think just alike. You know, we say now common sense is not even common sense anymore. The reason it's not common sense because we're not even able we're not talking to one another. You you that common sense wow. is taught. You, you can't read that. You, I mean, you you get information, but you got to see that. You got to hear that. <laughs> so I, I think if we, even if our youth mm. they don't even talk to each other anymore. We're, we're tweeting. You know, if you you know, back in the day, we had to write a note. You know, do you like me? Mark yes. If you don't, mark no. Uh, but then you you had to communicate. There were no phones. There were no distractions. So you had to have intimate conversations. That's what brought up, brought about the oneness and long lasting love. That's just, Jesus had one on one conversations with people in the Bible days. He wasn't tweeting. He wasn't. He uh, he was going to cities and healing. He didn't send nobody to do it. He did it himself. When he did things, he did it and he he communicated with the people. And so we're being taught now. You know, it's just, it's the secret way of what social media is doing is taking us and pulling us from unity and loving one another mm-hmm. in conversation. So I think if we start talking um, to one another, it, I think if it started, if a trend could start with our young people. We're talking to one another. I, I, I think it would change the well, world because now we, the youth, are the ones that are changing the world now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Lamont, you, you're, 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 you're into a whole other thing now. We're going to have to have you back. I mean, we've got to, we've got to have another, 
another 30 minutes to talk about this one. <laughs> I would love to come back whenever. <laughs> so we will. That That's fantastic. Um, we end with a, with a whole push in another direction. It's certainly important and, and we will. We'll we'll talk to you about that later. But uh, awesome! For thank now, you so much for gotta, having me. Uh, hey, thank you, and Lord bless you and the kids you're working with. We'll be praying for you, Lon, and uh, thank pray you. that you will be making a difference there for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. God thank bless you so much. Bless All you. right. Have a day. Care. All right. Bye bye. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Let's get in relationships. Let's talk. Uh, nothing that can change. Nothing that can help better uh, when we get together, and uh, we got to look for ways to do that. Get your pastor. Go get your pastor. Take him out to lunch. Talk about getting uh, your churches together. This is cool. We can. We can make a difference. God bless you. See you next week. I